Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host for this evening, Kamiar Marabian, and I am joined by one of the best dudes in the world. We were talking about freaking, like, stuff earlier Stephen brown well we were talking about the differences between cougars and mountain lanes and pumas and whatever Abercrombie and american eagle yeah all that good stuff i learned a lot you know just like google search i I feel like we go through like a a little lesson every time before we start the podcast it's important and it always keeps us starting not on time (laughs) which is even better we always start like an hour late yeah like we were only 30 minutes about this time so 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 we're doing pretty good we're 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 good on time but been a long time since we've talked uh it's about about time we talked about some things talking about (laughs) big cat just never making it to ou buki who's He's enrolled at OU uh, that we learned tonight. Uh, of course, he had to take spring classes to transfer, of course, to another institution. Uh, we, we're going to talk about some spring practice stuff that begins in less than two weeks, so maybe some shooty hoops, playing a little bit of a game. And then we'll talk about Joe, St- Joe Castiglione uh, being optimistic. I mean, I'm if he's optimistic, I'm optimistic. Like He, he feels optimistic wearing that hat that i don't like it's a i mean like do you like that outfit with the red blazer and the hat the hat it's not a fedora yeah but it's like uh what do you call that hat it's like a town hat is that a town Town hat hat? maybe and you gotta say it like that town hat where's one even buy a hat like that i don't Um, think it's a town hat like uh like the the old old strip in vegas where somebody like forces (laughs) you to buy it for 15 dollars you think uh, Joe's at the old strip in Vegas pretty often? Oh. Oh, not pretty often, <laughs> but I bet when he goes, he goes to Fremont and sees all the wild things there. Like <laughs> you can go to like, you know, because like Vegas, like when you actually go to the Mandalay Bay or the Venetian or whatever it, in like if you're like tweeting or whatever, your G your geolocation is Paradise, Las Ve- uh, Paradise, Nevada. And then once you go to the Fremont Street where old Vegas is, uh, it says Las Vegas, and you see some wild stuff. It's impressive. <laughs> One time, I was, uh, I was like, "Man, that that lady's body paint is crazy." And then I we got closer, and I was like, "I think it's called naked. Panama hat." Just naked. She was just not wearing. She was not wearing body paint. I was. It's a lot of a lot of weirdos down there. <laughs> and, and, and people can back me up. Like, 
that have ever been to Fremont. I mean, it's a good time. Don't get me wrong, but it was pretty, pretty wild. What was it? What kind of hat was it called? Uh, a Panama. A Panama hat? Panama or a campaign hat. I can't. Uh, maybe it switches between the two. Maybe. Maybe. Um. Well, people are getting vaccinated. Uh, I got my second one, and I, I know uh, you are thinking about doing it soon. And uh, a, a part of that, you know, uh, with nature healing, as uh, Bobo's is actually <laughs> open. Again. I saw this. You you let me know this because I didn't see this before. Uh huh. It's incredible. Is he still by the Capitol? Yeah, he's still by the Capitol, but instead of opening at like eight o'clock at night like he normally does on the weekends, this man opened up at like noon on Oof. Saturday and was slammed busy. Like everybody's like, nobody cares about like socially distancing when they're trying to get some boats. Oh, yeah. He's he's back. Um, I'm, I'm gonna wait a couple weeks to to return to to Bobo's down on uh, Northeast 23rd. But man, nature is healing. We got Bobo's back. When what when, when was your last Bobo's experience? I was like three years ago or something like that. I haven't had it in a while, but it's all—I mean—it's always so memorable going out there really at night. Is. Usually, have to like, watch your back a little bit, but a little, a little bit. But it's usually good times. Like everybody's just there for one common goal. We want some fried chicken with with like fried bread and just French fries, all doused in cayenne pepper and honey. <laughs> That's all we want. And then I want to try the catfish the next time I go because a lot of people get the catfish. And I'm going to really? get the double, yeah, I'll get the double box, see what happens. <clears throat> you know what we should do is campaign to get Bobo's inside the stadium. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, will we actually get Bobo like to, to work inside the oh, stadium? Yeah. I don't know about that, man, because I remember – He's not he's not too nice to people that don't pay attention. Uh like one one time there's a guy in front of us and he was on his phone and Bobo looked up. He's like, Hey, what you want, man? Because they never ask you, like, hey, welcome to Bobo's because it's just a guy in a food truck. And everybody oh, it's knows all business Bobo. there. Yeah. He's like, Hey, what you want? Wait, what can I get you? And the guy wasn't paying attention and he's like, Hey, yo, texty text, smiley face. What the hell you want? And I was like, I think he's <laughs> talking to you. And he's like, Oh, uh, can I get at uh, seven piece? So it was a. I was frightened, so I knew my order right away uh, when it was my turn. But nevertheless, wonderful food. You'll smell like it for two days, regardless how many showers you take. And uh, it's terribly bad for your health, but wonderfully good for your soul. But yeah, Boba's back. And uh, but who did not? Who's not back? And was supposed to be in Norman. Um, he was supposed to be in Norman for like the longest time. Like we like hinted at it. It was like almost common knowledge that big cat was going to make his way and to OU, but there were some qualification hookups or something wrong at something on the line. And he ends up at UCF. Um, you know anything about that? Have any thoughts about that? It had to be, I would assume enrollment issues and just something, maybe the classes didn't line up with OU, but um, it, it is a little bit of a, a hit for OU just because I think, um, with Redmond coming back, obviously you want to see him on the field, but at the same time, he's taking a whole year off of football, so you don't know how many snaps he can take. So it would have been nice to have that one-two punch on the edge right there. I agree. Uh, I mean, Oklahoma, they're not necessarily starving for depth on the defense right now, but I mean, the more the merrier, especially with a power five guy that can do a bunch of things that Big Cat can. Good luck to him at UCF. But a guy that sincerely is in the transfer portal that is still a part of the Sooners team, I suppose. And he's very well liked around um, 
the Sooners locker room. He's in the transfer portal. Buki, Brendan Riley, Ben Riley Hiles. Spring practice starts in two weeks, less than two weeks, the 22nd, I believe, um, or whatever it is, whatever the two weeks from Monday is. Thoughts? Is he is he going to end up a sooner? Is he going to transfer out? What, what could be the possible issue here? Do you think? I mean, you like literally just talked to him the other day, right? Yeah, uh, we we got to talk a little bit, and um, I kind of just kind of said, you know, what, what's what's your plans? And um, I mean, I think he didn't really say anything definitive. I think his options are clearly still open. I don't want to talk too much about it because every time I mention some of that Buki, he just does the opposite. So that's fair. That's um, but he did mention that you know. Uh, there is the possibility or he's weighing the possibility of returning. Um, obviously he's still at OU still enrolled. So um, I think that that door is still wide open for, uh, for Boogie. Should he choose to use it? Um, if not, you know, he probably has to make a decision here coming up pretty quick. So one way or another, um, you know, we'll get a decision with, I would assume two weeks uh, before practices start. So, but I think the door is wide open for Boogie to return uh, to Oklahoma. Let's say he leaves. Is him being gone good or bad for Oklahoma? Because here and hear me <clears> out. <throat> I think it's good because they they seemingly have like a log jam of a lot of guys they want to play in the fall. And although he's a great locker room guy, teammates love him. He's also like this social media presence that people like I've I've never seen. I can't fathom it apparently because I'm just not in those social avenues about how big a deal he is on social media, kind of like Lincoln Riley and his recruiting classes until they're finalized. Um, but I mean, Buki, he's a, he's like, he's a personality too. He's not just a player. He's like one of those big five stars that people really pay attention to. He's well-respected on the West coast. I feel like he tried to get in, like he, he, he wanted to go to the PAC 12, but ended up thinking, Oh, like San Diego state's basically my best bet. And you have Oklahoma has, they have Justin Harrington. You have Patrick Fields, DTY, uh, Graham. You've got, uh, who else? Who else do you have? Yeah, Woody, Woody Washington, Washington, Justin Jayden, Harrington, Jaden Davis. You have a lot of guys. And, and Jeremiah, Jeremiah Cordell and other, and Bryson Washington, who may take another step. Is, is, is him gone being good? Would that be good? Would that be better for the Oklahoma defense? Do you think it's better if he stays? What do you think? I think it would be good if he stays. I don't know if it's better. I The one thing you don't want here, um, especially looking back at towards the end of Mike Soup's tenure, was those DBs that played for three, four years but really never accomplished anything. And basically, you stalled everybody out behind them. So you look at guys like uh, – I don't want to say Stephen Parker was bad, but – like Will Johnson was bad. Those guys were, were good football players, but they were there for so long. No one else really got to show any sort of development or anything like that. So you don't want to log jam um, the potential because you definitely have talent there and you have talent that fits your system. So should he leave? I think it's good for OU. If he stays, I mean, he's a guy, he's a locker room guy, obviously. Um, so I think in the locker room standpoint, you want him there. You want him to be that voice for the defense. Obviously, he brings a lot of energy to the sideline. So um, there's pros and cons to both sides. Going to bring his sledgehammer to the sideline <laughs> while I yeah. remember. Let's see if we can get that back. The Kansas game, didn't he intercept a pass and then like moments later fumble it back to Kansas? 
Um, that was a questionable call, but yeah, that happened. You got the full Buki experience. It's a good time. He's a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. I hope he, whatever he does, ends up doing a ends up ends up a in a pretty good spot. But I, I was watching a video the other day on YouTube, and it was just like while I was working out, and it was talking about the top ten transfers in college football. And it wasn't from a guy that was working out on a whatever. Um, they, one of the top people that this guy suggested, I, I don't remember his name. That's why I don't know. Uh, one, of the, one of the top players that's transferring, he rated as a top transfer to make an immediate impact was Eric Gray at OU, who's wearing number zero. He's like, oh, he's going to be an immediate starter. And I was thinking, are people just totally forgetting that Kennedy Brooks is a thousand, a two-time thousand-yard rusher that was in the nation, like one of the best off the edge and yards after contact? Are people just forgetting that that happened? <laughs> He's never even averaged below. Let's see, his career average in yards per carry is seven point five. His lowest at OU is six point five, and that's a thousand-yard season. So, um. This uh, this mentality or this idea that uh, Eric Gray is going to come in and just be the superstar is just kind of, uh, I don't want to say ignorant, but it's kind of like a flash pan kind of take where you're like, oh, yeah, SEC running back. Obviously, they're good. They have a little SEC stamp on them. And they're going to the Big 12 where it's all kind of finesse. So um, Kennedy Brooks, I think, would just be the starter day one. Obviously, he's going to split carries. Um, he, he's did his whole career, so. Um, it's going to be a one-two punch with Gray, but I think it's going to be led with Brooks. Let's say that Kennedy Brooks was playing last year, and so you had Ramondre Stevenson and Kennedy Brooks. If you added Eric Gray to that bunch, is he getting the third amount of carries, or is somebody like Pledger or McGowan or, God help him, Major think, getting uh, those carries? You think in that right? instance, it's probably Ramondre getting a bulk with, yeah. um, let's say it's like 60% of the carries. And then you get Brooks and, um, oh, who am I thinking of? Major, McGowan? Major, or no, no, not McGowan. Brooks would get the other 20%, Gray would get the other 20%, so 40 altogether. Um, but you wouldn't see those roles for Major and McGowan anywhere right. near that. That's fair. Which, you know, once he comes back, what does Major's role look like? Does he take a step forward? Because um, a lot of people will talk about his ability as a running back. Obviously, he's a different body type. Uh, but he might just, you know, adopt the same role as he did last season. That's that's true. And running back with number zero, I'm very, very intrigued what that's going to look like. Uh, what happened with Kendall Daniels? He, uh, was, an, he was an Aggie. <laughs> He didn't want to play linebacker at OU despite the fact that he's going to be like six foot six, 300 pounds by the time he's in a college program. He's due. He's huge. Uh, Big guy. Oklahoma sold him on one to be a linebacker. He said, no one to be safety. Next thing you know, he's just dips out a college station and uh, ends up at Oklahoma, but in Stillwater instead, in which I'm sure made a lot of Oklahoma fans very happy. Do you know anything about that situation? Because, I just I thought think... I thought it was funny because Oklahoma still cannot recruit the best safety <laughs> in their state. The last time Oklahoma recruited a high rate, a highly ranked safety in this state was Stephen Parker. What is that? 2014? 
said out too long ago. Seven years ago, basically. So, mm-hmm. but that I mean, it's a little bit different because he's not a Josh Proctor, um, that type of like true safety type uh, player. Obviously, I think a lot of people, even at A and M, kind of saw him as a linebacker. So I don't think the position, you know, oh, you recruit him as a linebacker. Texas A&M uh, recruiting him as a safety was that big of a deal. I think um, he was taking a little bit more time than OU had wanted. And I think they just kind of kind of played a little bit hardball with him. Um, kind of like they did with Adrian Peterson. Like, you know, we'll win with or without you. And uh, it didn't work out in their favor, basically. <laughs> Burned a bridge. So um, they weren't they didn't have the time to kind of repair that relationship. And obviously now he's at Oklahoma State. So I don't think it was really a position thing. I think they wanted him on board right around the time of Caleb Williams would like mm. would have been July, June mm-hmm. or July, something like that. So, um, you know, they played hardball, didn't win. It happens. So it's, they're going to just going to move on. We have an idea what happened the second time around. Uh, I mean, that bridge was already burned. So that good job. That good wasn't going to happen. Good job. All the best safety prospects, not going to OU that are from Oklahoma. <laughs> Love it. Wasn't going to happen. So, I mean, it is what it is. It's not like losing Josh Proctor. Um, not like a true safety because you're not, he's going to be right. a linebacker. Let's, right. Let's just be honest. Hey, but Jordan Mukes has arms that are basically wings. Those Jordan things. Mukes is a very lengthy, <laughs> lengthy fella. That his arms like almost touch like his shins and he's <laughs> while standing up. He's got incredibly long arms. So I'm very curious to see what he looks like and what, what kind of role they put him. What kind of role do you think they're going to put him in? Do you think he'll be a nickel, like a kind of rover guy or what? Uh, I'm not sure you can move to just be that free safety or strong safety. So I think you're right. I think nickel's probably where he ends up. He'd be a hell of a nickel, like in the future of the Big 12. When I, it doesn't feel like the Big 12 is starting to revert back from, or not necessarily revert back from spread offenses, but like, essentially reinventing spread offenses to look like offenses. like that 2007 or 2008 yes. season. Yeah. Yeah. I think it feels so. like they're like reinventing themselves to include, you know, fundamental kind of like old school shotgun and like whatever. the power spread is essentially yeah, like what everyone's the, the running gun. They're like redoing the running gun, but with a lot more options. Doesn't it feel like that? Yeah. Cause you're just recruiting a lot better across the board. I mean, the Big 12 is still behind the SEC. Let's not, let's not no, sugarcoat that's, that's it. But, uh, and, and the Big 10, don't you think? Yeah, Big 10 as well. Well, it's close because it's Ohio State. The top State, of the Big 10 stacked, but it's the Ohio rest State of them really are And then a bunch of like, meh. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Michigan always pulls in a pretty decent class. Wisconsin pulls in a pretty decent class, that kind of thing. So yeah. I would say they're maybe one step below the Big 10. Yeah, really. Yeah, it's just they're so top heavy in like the Big Twelve. They have OU, and then depending on the year, who's best? Right, but OU's place. not pulling that top three class like uh, Ohio State. Right, right. That's fair. And uh, you know, the spring game was announced in April. I think it's the twenty fourth, twenty seventh. I don't know, dude. It's a Saturday it's in April, and. It's open to the public. I don't, I don't know how how open. Have they specified the amount of people they're going to let in? I thought they said 25% capacity, so what they did during the season, essentially. Okay. I'll believe that when I see it. What, was that Bedlam 25 or 50% capacity when like it was basically 80% full? 
<clears throat> but they only counted 25% though. My, my question is how different do you like, do you envision this game being any different than a normal spring game to where they're like going to try to get out of there as quick as possible? Like Bob, God, Bob would like have a spring game and that thing would be over in like 45 minutes. Uh, yeah. Or do you think, do you think anything with the gameplay? Do you think they have enough players like to actually have two teams? Do you think there's going to be any live music or any th- sort of things? Or is it Little Lee like Bryce? A, yeah, or is it? Or do you think it's just going to be like a red white football game? Show up and then leave after about an hour, like no I entertainment. I think. Um, I mean, you'll probably get like the the first two to three quarters probably the same, and they might kind of try to get out of there a little bit fast in the fourth quarter. But uh, I think this spring game it might be a little more, a little bit more intensity as far as position battles because you have a lot of talent, more talent than OU's had before. Um, and some spots are now opening up. So um, guys are going to want to really position themselves for the fall where they can take on those, those larger, those starter roles or find a role in the defense or offense. And so let's, let's talk about that spring practice in two weeks. What are you hopeful to see at that? And like, particularly which players need big springs? Cause I've already got a, a list of players in my mind that I think need big springs, but who are, who, who sticks out to you? What are the things that you're looking for? I think one thing that's going to stand out for sure is you want to see these younger guys grow into their bodies, right? Because like, who? Um, well, you talk about like the, the 2020 class being kind of small when they came in just because Marvin they don't have Mims. that off season. Yeah. They're playing in their high school bodies playing um, division one football because they don't have that off season to prepare and get their bodies right. So um, you look at body types, you know, the younger guys, and then you also look at the offensive line that came in a little bit heavy to start the fall. Um, you want to see those guys kind of not really slim down, but find that, that, you know, that 320, 315 range, whatever they want to be. You don't want to be like in the 340s. So the one thing you're looking at here is for guys to develop physically. And as far as position battles, I think their wide receivers really need to show something because I don't know if there's a true wide receiver one out of that group. Um, you mean it's not Jaden Hazelwood? It's not Jaden Hazelwood. And, and specifically, I was going to mention the 2019 class where you had those three five-star wide receivers, and really none of them have taken that that star role, essentially. They're, they're, they're good pieces to have. They're all good, mm-hmm. but none of them really filled into like a C.D. Lamb role yeah. like we thought they would. So I think wide receivers is an interesting battle um, that not many people are talking about. I think Bridges is going to be uh, – he gives me like Joaquin Iglesias vibes. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Um, you know, I'm just hopeful to see the offensive line, like you said, not come back fat as hell because <laughs> they came back fat as hell and out of shape, just like a lot of teams did. Uh, like people ask me, like, "Hey, yeah, it's the, not exclusive to OU." Before the before the Bedlam game, actually, when I went on the podcast with the Cowboys, right for free folks. Uh, the SB Nation affiliate in Stillwater, they're like, hey, listen, OE's offensive line, is it possible that they came to camp campus like overweight and now they're in shape and now they're finally like running their sets pretty well? I'm like, yeah. And then OU went and just like force fed them the ball down after down after down and killed them on the ground. And the same thing for Florida. And just, just don't like if they don't come to OU overweight this past pandemic season, OU probably ends up in the college playoff. It's that simple. Uh, so like, I'm hoping for 
consistency and really curious to see who starts as center. Like you've got a lot of dudes that can play the interior on that offensive line. I'm not worried about the offensive line. They're not void of talent. They got a lot of dudes that can compete at high levels. Um, I'm looking for defense and I'm looking for development and uh, step forwards from uh, uh, Redmond, Jalen Redmond. Uh, I'm one, I want to see, I know he's been training with the team. Uh, I want to see what he looks like without Ronnie Perkins. And I want to see if Isaiah Thomas can actually shut me up and, get to the next level and actually produce consistently because I mean, there was just levels to this when Isaiah Thomas, yeah, he was sure he was good, but Perry and Winfrey was crushing in the, the other side. He drew double teams, which let Nick Benito get free. And then by the time the quarterback scrambles, right, he runs in Isaiah Thomas. So I want to see if Isaiah Thomas can frequently become a bigger player than a guy. That's a benefactor of the other people on the, on the defensive line, because once Ronnie Perkins came in, it was game over. It didn't matter if Isaiah Thomas was in the game. So I want to see Jalen Redmond make that leap, but I also want to see Isaiah Thomas make that leap. And then one more guy that I'm thinking of, and they're all in defense conveniently, David Aguebu, mm. freak athlete, long, uh, supposed to play outside linebacker, sound familiar, uh, but he's a totally different player than Kenneth Murray. He is incredibly long. He's incredibly athletic. He's not as fast or quick twitch as Kenneth Murray, but damn, he's just as talented in a different way. I want to see him make a leap. I want to see what he can do. I imagine the Sooners are going to use him in a variety of places on defense because he is so, he is such a varietal player with so many tools. I can see them doing the same thing with him. Like they did K9. I think they did it with him at the end of the season, which he played in the middle. And sometimes he ended up as a rush, uh, as an edge. So I'm just very curious to see what they look like from it, from that standpoint. Do you yeah. think running backs is going to be a position with a microscope on it? I don't think so because I think you know what you got at running back. Essentially, there's not going to be a huge even surprise with Kennedy there. Brooks. Even with Kennedy Brooks sitting sitting out a year, that'll be kind of interesting to see. But I don't I don't expect him to really take a leap from what he what his uh, his production was. I think he'll just he'll just be steady. I just learned that for some reason I had Savion Bird's tweets on notification. That must have <laughs> been the first some of the first tweets he's had <laughs> since he committed to OU. That's huh. weird. I will say I want to see what running backs do in the passing game. So we know Brooks kind of gives you something there. Eric Gray probably gives you a little bit more. Um, so we'll see how they kind of fit that in. Because if you look at the good offenses in the past, those running backs have to be pretty good receivers as well. That's fair. That's a fair statement. And I mean, are there any other play like in the spring game? I think fans are going to be disappointed at the quarterback situation. Those guys, they're not going to run them out of the pocket because we all know Spencer Rattler. He's athletic. He's not like Kyler Murray. He's kind of like Baker Mayfield levels of athletic. And then Caleb Williams is not Kyler Murray, but he's more than Baker Mayfield and Spencer Rattler athletic. But I I think fans are going to be disappointed at the quarterback duel, not because those players won't make great throws, but because they're not going to get outside of the pocket. They're not going to let them lose. I think one thing would be where does Billy Bowman fit on this, on this team as far as is he going to be a receiver? Is he going to be a DB? Is he going to kind of play a little bit of both? So that'd be one thing to watch is where he kind of starts out. Where would you want to put him? 
at first I was leaning wide receiver because I think he's a, he's an outstanding wide receiver. But um, the more I just see his his ball skills and control, I think he could be a really really good DB. So I kind of want to see him start on defense and see how he fits in. You know, even though he's he's not a big, he's like a kind of a bookie type player where he's a little bit undersized, but has you know pretty good ball skills. No, I agree. Uh, I know he's a little bit undersized, and that doesn't fit Alex Grinch's plans. But sometimes you just gotta pick the best player available and stick him where he can do the most good. I mean, right. and that won't be the wide receiver position at OU for a minute because they keep on pulling in five star guys. Put him in the best spot that he'll make a, a big impact. And I think it has to be defense, even though he was what five foot ten, five foot ish. <laughs> he might half. be five ten. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but he's a baller. Um, and we, of course, we say these things about Buki. But do you think? Do you think Billy Bowman would? Because uh... like, remember when that Florida DB threw that shoe and cost them the game? We all thought, oh man, that's something Buki would do. Do you think yeah. Billy Bowman would throw a shoe? He doesn't seem like a shoe throwing type. Because you look at his highlights, he's not too much of a, a showboat. Buki is going to put on a whole concert after he makes a play. Or after the quarterback just overthrows the receiver. That too. That too. Love love Buki. Love him. Remember, and like, and that's, I don't want to be like seen like I'm crapping on Buki. I think he had a fundamental role on the defense. Like he's, I think he's a great leader and he typically honestly is where he's supposed to be to make plays. But I think he's at a physical disadvantage where he couldn't make those plays. Iowa state, he was in position, but he was literally a foot shorter than Charlie Kolar. Kansas state. Remember when he collided with the tight end? And he like knocked himself out. <laughs> that was a big hit, though. I'll give him credit. Oh, it was a big hit, and and like he played really well in the Texas games both years. This year, he's, and a, last he's year. a pretty consistent player. He's always, I mean, he's not going to do too much wrong, but when he does do wrong, it's very noticeable. He makes it. He makes there's, it count. But there's a reason why he was on the field so much. But at the same time, at the same time, there's also a reason why he lost a lot of playing time toward the end of the season in favor of Trey Norwood, DJ Graham. Uh, and other guys on the field. Uh, you, you, you can't notice it. And because I, I totally forgot about Buki, and I was watching some highlights of the end of the season today, and I said, oh, yeah, I totally forgot. He's in a transfer portal that he actually hasn't transferred yet. I think it's really interesting. Now, kind of shifting gears, but not really. Urban Meyer is now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we all know that's going to be a shit show. And the guy replacing him, is very near and dear to some hearts and very uh, not so near, not so dear to some other hearts. Bob Stoops is replacing Urban Meyer on that Fox store for Fox sports for like their game. day. It's not college game. day. I don't know what the hell they call it. Uh, Big afternoon or whatever. I don't know what the hell they call it, but regardless, Bob Stoops replacing Urban Meyer on that panel. How do you feel about that? Is that going to be a good get? I I felt Um... indifferent. I felt indifferent and kind of awkward just thinking about it. Bob's not a talker. I haven't really seen, yeah, I haven't really seen Bob Stoops on camera. Like he's been on camera, obviously, but not for like that long. So I'm not yeah. sure. Like, does he stay there? Is he on the panel, or do they just kind of like cut cut in? Like, hey, what's your take on this, Bob? And then just zoom into other some other room. Like even even I thought even Mac Brown would do a much better job than Bob. And Mac Brown did okay. Mac Brown would be pretty cool. Mac Brown did okay. Big noon kickoff. That's what it is. Ugh. 
but I, I just don't I don't know how much personality Bob's gonna add to that to that show. Maybe he's gonna have to channel his inner XFL. Maybe, coach. <laughs> maybe he takes a couple shots. Maybe he's pretty entertaining. He's gonna be like, hey, you know how I get through these segments with Reggie Bush and Matt Liner hey, sitting Brady, next to me. Why don't you come take a shot of my tequila? God, take a shot of my tequila. Brady Quinn. I don't see Brady Quinn taking tequila shots really well. Yeah, I feel like well, he's he'd probably throw up. Matt Liner could probably throw one down though. Matt Liner partied while he was in well, he was a quarterback. That dude never went to class at all. Oh no, he doesn't even know what class to. is. Yeah. I don't know what class is. Oh man. You know when Matt Liner came down to Norman to be recruited? You know where they took him? Uh, Just to Brahms. Guess. Oh, it was close. The Oklahoma, is it an Oklahoma place. I know it's. I don't. It's a national chain, but it's an Oklahoma specialty for a cheap date. You TGI know, F or whatever. Oh, Chili's. Yeah, there you go. They took the Matt Chili's? Liner oh, to God. a freaking Chili's. What are you doing, OU? That's embarrassing. Yeah, whatever. Times have passed. OU got B fifty five nineteen, and Bobby Stoops is going to be looking right across the table from those guys that drubbed them. But to be fair. Mike Stoops and Brent Venables were arguing in their headsets the entire game. That's true. The players, true. the players are like, yeah, that happened. They were arguing on what they should do. They didn't have a pure game plan and the defense. Seriously. They just did. They didn't have anything, any game plan. Heard the bull prep going up to that was not, uh, and Larry Burdine was good. like, yeah, Larry Burdine said things. And it wasn't that, uh, not a great situation, not a great situation, Bob, not a great situation, but we have a lot more to talk about. Let's talk about some shooty hoops. Let's play a little game of this or that. And then we'll talk about Joe, Joe Castiglione talking about the stadium next fall. Can't wait. Going to go to a break for our sponsors. We'll be right back in a sec. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right. We're back from our break. We talked about what did we even talk about? Work. Break? Yeah, we talked about work. Yeah, it's good work. times. Yeah, it's good times. Um, what's not working out right now is OU basketball. They've been having a bad time, man. Have you been following that? Like they've been like the Lawn Kruger <laughs> it's the Lawn Kruger skid to end the season, which is because the Sooners at one point were ranked seventh in the country. Everybody's like, oh, they're pretty good. And, uh, you know, like all, all I'm Harkless and, and, uh, and, uh, Austin Reeves always gets to the line and Kirk Weth is so good. And then on, next thing you know, like Harkless isn't playing as well. And Kirk Weth just can't get into the games for some reason while Brady Manic can't make a shot to save his life. And, oh, you basketball. Yeah, they've been backsliding. And it hasn't been very good, and they are falling apart down the stretch. Is it time for OU to move on, or it's you know because like Long Kruger? Don't forget, people on Twitter were calling for Long Kruger Coach of the Year accolades before he lost like four games in a row. That'll uh, that'll take him away. But yeah. I really haven't watched too much OU basketball. Just we we talk about work. I'm 
unfortunately been super busy, but at the same time, it's, it's a good busy. So not too mad about it. I've only really seen one game, but from the sound of it, uh, things, is this, is this like the Trey Young season all over again, where they just, they look promising, they look promising. And then, you know, come March, it is, it is crashed. I don't know, man. It's weird. It's really weird because in the beginning of the season, you were like, I don't know what this team's going to do. They look okay, but not anything special. And then they just started to become they like once conference play hit, they've had peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. They look good. Some games, they were competitive in some games. And then they were really, really good for like that, that however many games stretch where they played top 25 and top 10 opponents, like however many games in a row and did really well even without Austin Reeves, mind you. And Debbie, when Devion Harmon was getting the ball a lot, and then they just kind of hit that skid. I mean, you lose to you lose in Bedlam twice. I thought they would lose to OSU twice both times because they both play small ball. And if Oklahoma's not going to play Kirkwet and they're going to rely on Brady Manic to be your big guy, well, Cade Cunningham is just as big as Brady Manic and hyper athletic, it's going to be a bad time because OSU also plays small ball and they've got the best player on the court and possibly the best player you know, in the NBA draft this coming year. So I figured OU would lose to bed, uh, to OSU did not think they would lose in Manhattan because they're so bad. And I thought Lon would break the curse, but that was not the case. And then man lost the, lost a tough one at home against Texas. Uh, they took their lead briefly at the end of the game. Couldn't get it done. So now it looks like they're going to play Iowa state in the tournament and they should win that first round matchup. And, uh, but that's about it. I mean, but let's talk about the Sooners team. They were fun to watch. They're still fun to watch. They're very competitive. They play a really, very, very hard on defense. And when they're making their shots, especially when Mo Gibson is making his shots and Austin Reeves is getting to the line, they're really, really tough to beat, despite the fact that if they play teams with big guys, uh, they can't rebound the ball worth a damn. Is a second-round exit good enough for this fan base and good enough for this basketball team? <laughs> Like, really, really, do you think, what do you think about that? This kind of goes back into our last podcast where we talked about. It kind of does. It does. But what do you think? Uh, for this team and maybe this coach, maybe a second round exit is good. And uh, you kind of evaluate yourself after the season's over and kind of what, what your expectations are. But we've kind of seen OU kind of stutter in the uh, the latter half of the season, especially in March. And it's becoming a trend or not necessarily a trend now, but it seems like it's becoming one. Um, so we'll see after the season what OU wants to do. I still think OU's kind of as good as they put their money into it. So this isn't a program that I think they're they're still they still make money. It's one of the few programs that make money in college football on mm -hmm. both basketball and football. Mm -hmm. But um it, it could be a lot better. And I think OU just needs to kind of invest and kind of figure out where they can, where they can uh, make this program better as far as getting these guys, um, not only at home games, like uh, getting fans in the stands and things like that, but mm -hmm. um, maybe upgrading the arena, maybe moving the arena, maybe just doing the field house, that kind of thing. They've needed to change places to play basketball. Something that gets you excited so about watching this yeah. team, not only early in the season, but at the end of the season when you want this team to be motivated. You could uh, just liquidate Sherry Cole's salary and uh, save up enough money to pay for You'd <laughs> a legit staff. Save like $1.6 Yeah, she gets paid. 
she gets paid just for being there like for so long sherry cole and ou women's basketball are synonymous with each other she was there before stoops got there uh she's been there for a long time she was there for patty gasso got there she's the og and Joe Castiglione is a very loyal guy and sometimes to a fault. Uh, he didn't advise Bob Stoops to fire his brother, but I digress. Let's talk about recruiting. Since the last Pretty time we fun. talked, uh, Demetrius Hunter, the nation's number one center. Uh, he's a three-star composite by 247 Sports, but also a four-star uh, from Rivals. He's the first true center to be recruited by and committed to OU since Creed Humphrey. What do you think? We kind of talked before we started the podcast and we kind of were just watching his film. Um, just the immediate comparison as far as his body type would be. Uh, let's see. Who, who do we say? Hayes. He is incredibly. Or Marquis Hayes. Yeah. He's just a wide arms. dude, long arms. Kind of uh, stocky, kind of stocky. Stock, yeah, a little bit stocky there, but uh, pretty mean, um, especially when he dri- drives guys into the ground. So um, it kind of reminds me of the same, almost a little bit like Marquise Hayes' recruitment, where um, I think he started out as a three-star Oklahoma, yep. recruited him um, you know, throughout his, the process. And um, by the final rankings, he was like that, that fringe four-star from like 200 players. So I think this will be the same kind of conversation we have with, uh, with Hunter. Yeah, uh, it's another it's an, another brick in the wall for Bill Beatenbow. I mean, right. he recruits one type of guys. They are no longer in the days where they're taking tight ends and turning them into left tackles and taking other guy. Who 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 was the guy that Bob Soups loved? Uh, oh, Brody Eldridge. He was a tight yeah. end, and then he became like a guard, then a center. I don't know, dude. Long. Like Gabe Eichert was a tight end when he came to OU, you know, and those days are over. Yeah, this is a true body type guy. Um, Obviously, I think they're recruiting at center. He could be a guard either way, but he'll be interior offensive lineman. 100%. And OU has a ton of those right now. A bunch of really good ones, mind you. And then they just got another, like, you know, they they just, I said they just got another. They had another transfer. Um, that people are just largely looking over. And I think for good reason, because he's not going to crack the starting lineup, which is that Robert Congo guy from Arizona. He's yeah. going to see time at OU, but he's good depth that started in games. Uh, Wanya Morris. He going to be a left tackle or right tackle. I think he sticks with the left tackle. Think so. Yeah. He's just, I mean, his feet are pretty solid. I think um, OU is struggling at left tackle. Um, he just fits right in that mold. So I think he should start day one. And how about Eric Swenson going to play games? Swenson, we always say he's not going to play a game, but he somehow finds a way. I don't know if he's just like the best practice player of all time. And he just gets that, that, that coach like hyped up to play him on Saturdays, but uh, he probably fills in a role here or there. Yeah. Hopefully that's a thing. I hope he does not start every time. But oh, uh, you brought Wanya Morris in with a with a with a firm intent of probably playing him at left tackle. Of course, I and I and I agree. Now let's play a game. We're gonna call it this or that, and I'm gonna give you two scenarios, and I want you to pick the one that you think is more likely to happen. And okay. this is about 
this upcoming season it looks like or uh, let's look at a couple of them so anyways first one is oklahoma loses three games or wins a national title in the 2021 season are you saying which one's more likely which one is more likely i think i'm gonna go with national title i don't see them losing three games with the schedule so i think uh i think the playoffs are are uh are the expectation and maybe, you know, everything comes together this season and they, they finally get over that hump of that first round and get into the title game. And, you know, we'll see what the matchup is, but I think the national titles way more likely than, uh, than losing three games. What if I said it was lose two games? I'd probably go two games. Oh, okay. Interesting. How about this one? Oklahoma will finish in the top five <clears throat> in recruiting for the 2022 recruiting cycle or, Sooner fans will be disappointed regardless. <laughs> I'm going to go with disappointed just because, and this is the reason they're not going to recruit a quarterback in 2022. And it's, it's hard to have that top five class without a, uh, without a five-star quarterback. It's true. That's what I hear. That's what it, when's the last so, time you didn't take a quarterback? For that, it's been a while. Cause we thought they weren't going to take one. They took Chandler Morris. Yep. So we'll see if that happens again, but I don't see them finishing the top five without an elite quarterback. Alex Grinch is still coaching at Oklahoma <clears throat> next season, next season, or he'll be somewhere else. For this, I'll go with, he will be coaching at Oklahoma in 2022. Ooh. Unless they win a national title, then obviously ah. his stock goes way up. But, um, I think Oklahoma, or he's not going to move until Oklahoma achieves something they haven't achieved with uh, Mike Stoops. Do you think Alex Grinch would have taken the Tennessee job if they offered it to him if there were no NCAA violations? If there's no violations, absolutely. But Do you think uh, he would have job... taken it now regardless of NCAA violations? No, not a chance. Okay. Yeah, man, when he goes and becomes a head coach, I really hope he doesn't follow the Mike Stoops path or the Josh Heupel path. I, I hate to see that. Who is the most successful OU assistant to go off and be a head coach? Would you say uh, someone because of what he had at A&M? Yeah, someone probably is the, the pick there just because he went to a major program. I mean, like Mac Brown. You could say, oh, Mac Brown, because Mac Brown was on the staff for like a year and he won a national title. But I'm talking like you know more recent, more recent like Venables, but he he never became a head coach. Yeah, Leach, but he's never really <sighs> like a a big big program. Yeah, and and by the time he was supposed to be number one, OU smacked him in Norman that in two thousand eight. So I I think it would go Sumlin. Well, what about Kevin Wilson? He has a national title too from Ohio State, doesn't he? Yes, but. As a head coach, yeah, he was in that hot at Indiana. So yeah, I think someone's a pick. That's tough. That's tough. I don't know. Coach. Josh Heupel's had a pretty okay career. He's been everywhere trying to get his name out. I, how do you go from Missouri to Tennessee in the same conference? How awkward that's going to be. But I don't know. Do you think? But do you think Heupel's a good head coach? I think he's solid. I don't know if he's an upper echelon coach, but I think he can he can put together a pretty good program. Would you ever welcome him back at OU? Yeah, sure. As a head coach or as an assistant? 
uh, probably as an assistant. I haven't really seen head coach material as like a, as a blue blood. Um, so we kind of need to see where he develops as a coach there, but uh, as an assistant, sure. Okay. That's interesting. I'm sure there's some, somebody that we're probably missing that like somebody that's listening to this is screaming, uh, at the top of their lungs, but I mean, literally no defensive coach here has done like done anything as a head coach since like 2000. I don't think it's been Mike Stoops and Brent Venables. That's Tim Kish. Where is Tim Kish? Uh, He's probably retired. Yeah. Sounds like it. Sounds like a thing. I I always liked Bobby Jack, right? Even though like how out of touch of reality he was. uh, I always liked him when he was at OU, but you wouldn't go uh, Bo Pelini. No, man. Bo's good. Bo's good. And you know, I, I missed playing Nebraska when Bo was there. A lot of good memes. That was fun. That was when was Twitter fun. was like first becoming a thing, you know? And uh, OU's playing in Nebraska this year. That'll be cool. I'm going to try to get tickets to that just, just to see the two teams on the field. Same. I agree. Just I for the jerseys. OU is going to beat that ass by like four or five touchdowns. Um, What about this one? This last one. Oklahoma defense going to take another step forward this year or they will stay the same or regress into the 21, 2021, 22 season. What do you think? What's this is interesting because you're losing a lot of uh, star par- power and Ronnie Perkins, mm-hmm. but you have something um, in Jalen Redmond, Marcus Stripling, obviously. Maybe Perry and Winfrey. Perry and Winfrey. Next step. Um, you really don't have that guy at linebacker that's like, yeah, this, like, this guy's a game changer, but you have some solid pieces. Um, the one thing that would help them take a step forward is in the secondary. And I think they have it in Justin Harrington. So I will go. They take another step forward. Oh, we didn't even mention Key Morris earlier. Oh, yeah. For Lawrence. Key Lawrence. Key we Lawrence, didn't even yes. Mention Key Lawrence. So Holy that's another crap. guy that that's kind another of guy. goes in that role. Yeah. Goodness. And so you're saying they take a step forward this year? I think they step, take a step forward. Um, I, To me, I'm not worried about the linebackers. Um, they've got depth. They got Caleb Kelly back. They got experience. I'm not saying Caleb Kelly is going to be a part of that like big step forward. I'm saying though, he's as as much as he is a leader and a student athlete. He's also an extra set of eyes and a coach in the field because of his injuries. And I'm glad he's coming back. I thought he would go to Nebraska and be with his lady. And so, I mean, I'm not worried about linebackers. I'm not worried about defensive backs. I, I trust Alex Grinch. I trust Roy Manning. They're getting their body types. We didn't even mention Eaton earlier uh, as other guys right. that can fill in because they have, they're getting their body types and they're getting a lot of guys you can be excited about. So I'm also not even worried about the defensive backs either. I'm looking up at front. You've got Perry and Winfrey. It's very good. Josh Ellison played past what I thought he could last year. So I'm excited to see what he can do in year two. You've got Isaiah Thomas back, who I think you know. I'm my my thoughts are well documented on him. You've got Nick Benito coming back, a David Aguebu who can sometimes plays edge. I didn't even know that. Oh, why did I just go blank on his name? He's from he's a big homeschool kid from Tulsa. He he was out for like the second half of the season pretty much, but came back for the bowl game on defensive line. A homeschool kid. Yeah. He was homeschooled and then he went to like Juco. John Michael Terry? No, he was homeschooled and he went to Juco. Why am I blinking on his name? He was like, oh, he was like number, 90, uh, number 96 <laughs> or something. Yeah. Um, starts with an L. Laurent Stokes. Laurent's, I, I didn't know Laurent Stokes was coming back. I didn't know he was homeschooled. <clears throat> yeah, I, I didn't know. Last time I saw 
Did you read his autobiography or whatever? No. Is that, is that what you asked? Because I knew he was homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why people said he was overlooked because he was homeschooled. It makes yeah. sense. I can't, yeah. Uh, but I didn't even know he was com- coming back. And I found out he was. And I thought that was a, that's a big Yeah, he got deal. that extra year to do that. COVID. That's a bigger deal than people realize about Laurent Stokes coming back for this defense. And it, you, Marcus Stripling, he's coming back. And Marcus Hicks. So I'm curious to see what the defensive line does. I think they can take a step forward. And I feel like if they can, and if they do, that defense is going to be even better than last year. And they should be able to be better than last year. They're not losing much. And so they should be able to take a step forward. I agree. And <clears throat> you mentioned earlier about getting tickets to the Nebraska game. And I think a shit ton of people are going to get to try to get tickets to that. That's exciting. Despite what you know, what the outcome is likely to be, that's an exciting rivalry and a game to be a part of. And uh, Joe Castiglione says he's optimistic about being at full capacity this fall. So, like, I was going to ask you, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that legit happens? And do you think it looks different? Do, like, are, are they still going to require masks despite every American supposedly being able to have a vaccine by May? Uh, herd immunity. I don't know anything about herd immunity. Uh, there's you think there's any caveat to this, or what are, you, what are your thoughts? Um, first of all, I don't think the announcement was really any sort of surprise. I know it's exciting, um, to hear that the college football is gonna be at full capacity. Now, does it happen? Uh, I'm not 100% sold on that just yet. I think they had to make the announcement just because everyone else was. Um, so you're not going to be the first program to be like, yeah, we don't know. You know what's going to happen. You want to get your fan base fired up. You want to, you know, you want them active on social media. So um, that announcement, it made sense. I mean, we'll see how this this shapes up during the summer. I think that's the important time where we, if the numbers stay down. Then absolutely, that stadium is probably going to be full. But if uh, you're heading into the same summer of, you know, what was it last, like a hundred and something cases a day? I yeah. think they'll probably hold it back to like fifty percent, something like that. Really, really, yeah, interesting. But we'll see how the vaccine goes and see a herd immunity. That could also be a thing. So I feel like what percentage would you place it that OU's at full capacity? Um, I know it's a little bit doubtful. I'd go about 75%. Yeah, I was thinking so I'm a little optimistic. I was I was thinking that they would definitely be at full capacity more likely than they would be at any partial sort of capacity. Right. Now, do you think it looks gonna look different across the country? Like it the football season in general did like do you imagine like pac 12 schools will i think still pac 12 be will like probably 25 yeah. if that yeah and then you see the rest that, of the country point yeah but i think i mean if you look like football is just a little bit more important here like it's it's a part of everything whereas in the, you know, the west coast i mean it's it's cool yeah. they love football but it's not it's not the same thing it doesn't have that uh that americana to it I agree. Football's a midwestern, southern, southwestern thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, the coasts are uh, very, very basketball oriented, and that's okay. But okay. I, I mean, I was talking to someone, and they they kind of made a good point. It's when you're when you're planning events into the fall, like in the future, it's much easier to scale it down last minute than to book something. Yeah. Or you know, to plan something, get the band on the field, something like that. So they're going to plan everything accordingly right. as it's going to be normal. And if they have to cut something, that's easy. That's actually a really good point because it is much easier to scale down than to prepare for several right. more people. That makes sense. And speaking about this pandemic, it looks like you can see like a light at the end of the tunnel. At least uh, it looks 
pretty nice and people are starting to like actually go back to their normal lives and uh then many more that hadn't already before you know are starting to come out and live start living their normal lives to some extent do you what changes to the cultural landscape do you think that the pandemic it has is going to make or do you, if any i think temporarily you see attendances rise because people uh they don't really you know something they want until it's gone so not being able to go to football games i think there'll be more people in the stands i think that i mean they always say it's a sellout because it's always a sellout but right you can tell when the crowd's not full so i think you see a temporary rise in attendance um after that i think virtual visits will still be a thing i think the they kind of struck gold with those so in the recruiting world that that'll be a thing as well yeah and i think i think players and um their likeness and payers, players getting paid like legitimately and not under the table. I think that's going to be a thing too, because people found out quite quickly that college football and the economy that it brought and the economic factors that not having college football would have on a lot of things in every state to know how these players play uh, would have been like very damaging to local economies and even state economies. And the fact that many places needed them to play suggested that these players were not amateurs. And I think that's gonna, I think the, the motion to pay players is going to be even more heightened and just, it's going to keep going every year. I think it's, it's going to, it's going to be one very big lasting implication. Maybe, uh, do you think, do you think it's going to happen anytime in the next, let's say 15 years? Do you think players are going to get paid? Oh yeah. hundred percent. Let's I think next, it could happen as soon as five years. I was about to say the next five years. Do you think yeah. it's going to happen? Yeah, I think so. I don't think it will do away with the. Uh, would it be contractual, or, or would it be by university, or would it be like a, or do you think it'd be like a sweeping like NCAA? This is what players are paid, regardless of. There's like, got to be a cap on it. Yeah. Ooh. Like a player can only make this much money. Ooh, that's that sounds dangerous. Because you know you're not going to free agency of players. Like like a like a bench guy that you know only plays in the fourth quarter when the yeah. game's out of hand, you know nothing yeah. to lose there. He's not going to make as much money as the starting quarterback. I'm very oh man. Or you're not going to pay him the same. I wonder how that would. I wonder how that would change the game. That would change the college football landscape even more. Like uh, let's let's just, just phrase it this way. Um, Eric Swenson isn't going to make as much money office likeness as Spencer Rattler. That's fair. And isn't it already in place that players can like benefit off their likeness now? Yes, but I wonder how, like, because... Like, there that's, could be that's pictures... A, that's a slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. It, couldn't it be, like, p- players could, like, use their pictures and, like, get paid yeah. for it? Yeah, something like that. But you have to, like, there's no way they're going to rule out cheating as far as money goes. Because oh. if there's money involved, they're you're going to go around the rules. Yeah, you know, I mean, I hate baseball, but like people didn't blow the whistle on steroids for so long because it made baseball fun. It's right. fun to see the ball go out the stadium. So yeah, people cheat. Everybody knows people cheat. And it's like fun even to the, watch. Yeah, the recent, uh, was it Rush Props? Yeah. Interview or whatever he got caught telling on Georgia. Like yeah. that's... That's been a known thing for a while, but no one's really going to 
do anything about it because it makes it college football fun. That's Watching uh, Nick Chubb and, and Georgia was fun. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to say no all of a sudden, and then you kind of ruin the sport. So it's going to be weird how they, they figure this thing out. But I think eventually everyone's going to at least get like a stipend of some sort. Yeah, I think I think it'll be like a sort of stipend thing. But who knows about the contract stuff? I'm, I'm very curious to see what the cultural landscape does look like in the next five to ten years. I think it's going to be very different. I think it's going to be a lot of things that end up, or I think there's going to be a lot of implications left over from the pandemic to see how essential these young men actually are uh, when they're catching shit on Twitter for being in close contact with somebody with COVID. That's incredible, the world we live in. Do you have anything left to say? No, I'm good. I think we we covered most of it. Yeah, man. First time in a couple weeks. Didn't miss a, little, a, beat. a little bit busy, so yeah, a little, a little, a little busy. You know, things are happening. Things are happening over at crimsonandcreammachine.com, and you guys should go check it out. You should follow us on Twitter at CC Machine. You can follow me at Robbie and CCM, and you can follow Steven at OUUpdatedSB. We're on iTunes and Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Give us a five star rating. Really appreciate you guys for listening. And if you listened to the first time and you like what you heard, you know, hit subscribe. I like subscribing to podcasts. It's fun times. So anyways, I'll check you guys later and have a great rest of your week.